Hi, this is Gavin from FE News. I'm here at UCL, the Institute of Education, to chat with a bunch of experts, leaders in their field around what is the future of um, education and work, to also unpack some of their interesting research projects to see what we can learn and how we can take the sector forward. So this is Gavin from FE News. I'm here today at the UCL and I'm here with Dr. Sam Duncan. How are you, Sam? Fine, thank you. Yeah, and what's your you? role at UCL? Um, I'm a senior lecturer in adult education and literacies. I work in adult literacy studies on teacher education courses and on a BA module on literacies. Can we talk about RABBIT? It's yes. a really interesting project. <laughs> um, so as an adult literacy teacher and teacher educator, I became interested in what we understand by reading. So what adult learners come to sessions, to classes, with, with an idea, this is reading, this is what I want to do. Our curricular documents have an under, understanding of reading, our research has an understanding of reading. And I became interested in that there seemed to be uh, a difference between how reading is presented overall, I think, in education and in our curricula, including adult, that for adults, reading is something individual, silent, um, a process of, of decoding of understanding, which of course it is sometimes, um, but adult literacy learners, like other adults, um, may want to do forms of reading which are different from this, or they may already be doing forms of reading which are different from that, and then which don't quite fit the curricular idea of reading. Um, and I think for me that's important because we can find out lots of information about uh, the kind of texts that are borrowed, or the kind of um, books that are downloaded. But if someone came, say, hundreds of years in the future and they wanted to know what's reading in 2019, 2020, um, they wouldn't be able to find anything or very little that said, OK, you have your favourite book at home or you might have a magazine. Well, do you read that shouting at the top of your voice in the bath? Or do you read that completely silently on the tube? Or do you do both? And why do you do each? So the idea behind Rabbit was to try and create a, the first um, record and analysis of whether, when, why, where, how adults may read out loud with our voices in Britain as opposed to silently. Um, and as we know, actually, in the, in what I find interesting is that if we went hundreds of years in the past, the word reading would have meant oral reading, reading aloud, and the less usual form would have been the silent one. Now I think overall, particularly in education and research, and particularly when we think about adults, when we say reading, we mean silent individual. That's what I wanted to look at. Um, so the project, this project website, which I give information for afterwards, there was a survey which about 530 people across Britain, Wales, uh, Britain, so Scotland, Wales, and England um, took part in. Uh, there's also mass observation directive. That's a mass observation project run through the University of Sussex, where people write kind of longhand pages and pages of their thoughts, their experiences, um, including a diary. People kept a diary of when they read out loud during the week. And what was quite common in that is people said, oh, I didn't think I read aloud, but my partner tells me I do it all the time without realising. Or I didn't think I did, but I've made these notes and I find I do these various things. Um, and also I did interviews. I did about 49 interviews across the country and made sound recordings um, that are in the British Library sound archives. People can hear examples of reading out loud and also people talking about it. Um, so what we found was... Uh, that people, some people at least, so not everyone, so this is this is about what some, some of us do. Um, some people read out loud for a range of purposes, so whether that's to write something, to understand something, to unpick kind of complex text, to follow instructions, to um, follow recipes, or read out loud to meditate, or read out loud to pray, or read out loud to enjoy poetry or novels. 
names of various kind of purposes and various texts. So people talking about reading aloud graffiti from toilet doors, reading aloud um, legal contracts, uh, reading aloud minutes at a meeting, reading aloud books to children in various languages, reading aloud different um, different texts that they might want to share within a family group. So I think I suppose what, what struck me the most was this diversity of purposes and also diversity of texts. So I don't think we can't say that reading aloud is one thing, but it's lots and lots of different things. And putting that within reading, reading then I think is lots of different things. So my overall aim with this was to try to encourage us to kind of expand what we see reading as. So we don't see reading as something kind of small and oh, it's just this. It's only, I don't know what's on a piece of paper. Okay, now I know that says egg or something. But rather it could be, you know, what, why do people want to read out loud their voices? What difference does the voice make? And so we had, um, what I found something I'm thinking about at the moment is the kind of reading loud people do when they're completely alone, which is also quite common. So we might think of reading aloud as a way to communicate with someone or to share a text, but people read aloud in their own partly for writing purposes, to memorise something, to learn something, to understand something. But also I think for, for identity, for company. So a woman I spoke to is a, a native Welsh speaker but has been living in London a very long time, doesn't have many or any Welsh-speaking friends in London, um, used to talk Welsh on the phone to her mother when her mother was alive. Now that her mother's passed away, she reads out loud Welsh poetry and that's how she's in touch with Welsh identity. Or people who said, oh, I don't read aloud much anymore because now I live alone. Whereas others said, oh, I read aloud a lot now because I live alone. I need to hear a voice. I need to use my voice. I need to kind of stake a claim that I'm here in this world. And um, So I suppose some of that maybe seems quite removed from adult education, from adult literacy education. But for me, the idea is not to say, okay, we should read aloud or we shouldn't. It, it's not about that, but just about recognizing these are things that people already do. So this is how diverse our reading practices are, and therefore I think our teaching and our curricula needs to reflect that, and not to go kind of bananas the other way and imagine that all we do is read aloud, but just to acknowledge that for some people reading includes, for example, the skill of using a voice. It might be projection, or it might be about a rhythm. So to just try to keep those in. So what my hope for this is, besides to create this record that we can look at and see okay, this is what reading is in Britain in 2019, 2020. So my hope is, for them from this project, is not only will we have a record of what reading is um, in Britain in 2019, 2020, including the diversity of languages, because there are people reading aloud in Tamil and Spanish as well as many languages, mm -hmm. but that we also can take back into education and take back into when we produce documents about, you know, how do we define reading for functional skills, English, for example, that we don't ignore reading aloud and that we don't have a situation where people come to classes and the teacher might say, oh, what do you read? And yet somehow they think, okay, I do all this reading at home, but I don't think that's what my teacher thinks. Because, for example, I read these texts and that, but we want to make sure we have a broad enough conceptualization of reading <coughs> that we can draw on what learners already do, talk about really what, what skills are involved, what meanings are involved in those, and then use that to expand so that we're always yeah, expanding what we do. And with the findings of mm. the rabbit report, mm. what can we learn from that to be able to either think about policy or mm. to be thinking about the way that we are teaching in adult education? What what are the main findings that you can think of coming out of the report of, of rabbit, which mm. we can sort of take forward 2020 yes. and the decade beyond? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. I think the... 
the biggest thing for me is that we as adults do read out loud. And when I say we, I don't necessarily mean me, but adults do read out loud. So it's doesn't it's not good enough to present reading as purely silent. Um, so that needs to be taken account of when we create curricular documents, um, when policymakers are thinking, if they are thinking about you know how we're defining reading, for example. Um, so I mean that that's one thing. But I suppose a slightly broader message from that is. When I went around, you know, so I travelled around the country a lot talking to people about what they do, I was constantly surprised. Every time I was surprised. So other people's reading practices and writing practices and maths practices are not going to be the same as mine. And I think it's very easy as a teacher to think, okay, I've been doing this a while, I can kind of guess what kinds of reading, writing or maths they're going to need for their lives or they're going to need for their workplaces. But I think we can't guess that. We need to keep constantly asking and talking. And workplace, actually, that reminded me, there was a huge amount of reading that goes on in the workplace, including reading out loud. And that's often not what we think about, perhaps, when we think about workplace literacy skills. We might think about you know, various forms of form-filling or kind of computer skills. But the fact that we will often need to stand up and read something out loud to a group of people in the workplace, or read something out loud to a customer, or read something back to someone over the phone. Um, so. I suppose going back to that broader point to end, I think we can't assume that we know what other people's practices are. We need to learn what, we need to keep asking what those are and our curricula for adult literacy and adult numeracy need to be based in other people's practices and what they want to do rather than in, you know, some kind of random idea of this is reading and writing that's probably been borrowed from schools in the first place. And with the, the financial Mm -hmm. Thinking of neurodiversity, mm -hmm. what can we learn around either helping people with yeah. neurodiversity um, or using that those findings to how we can assist people, but also people with neurodiversity find it really challenging yeah. to read out loud? Yes, thank you. That's that's such an important point. Um, there's actually on the Rabbit website, there's links to some, um, I'm trying to think what we called them, but basically practice resources which were created collaboratively with different groups around the country to kind of take the findings more into practically into into teaching and then there's one I did with the Women's Library in Glasgow there's one I did with a group of adult learners in Wales for example one with a poetry library and this was a big issue um, that that forced me to kind of think about a lot more and to look at the findings in that way and that it is just so varied so there are people you know whether they they see themselves in with the label of neurodiversity or not, there, there are some people who find it much easier to understand text when they hear someone else reading it to them, um, rather than reading it themselves either silently or aloud. There are some people who find they understand a text much better if they read it out loud to themselves rather than silently, but only if there's no one else around, so they don't feel the pressure of performing, see what I mean. Whereas if they were just given a text or read that out, then they wouldn't understand any of it because they're concentrating on saying the words. Um, there's other people who like to read something silently first for understanding and then read it out loud if they're reading to other people. Um, there are people who talked about how they like, if there's something they want to remember, um, a text as part of study, they'll read it out loud to themselves on a recording, you know, and listen to it as they're running or walking around. And in discussion with others, and in my own reading of this, it seems to be saying that it just varies a lot. So I think we can't assume, either as teachers or as policymakers that certain people cannot read aloud or shouldn't read aloud or will always find it hard or will never find it hard, but that it certainly can be something much harder for some people. 
Um, it's something that is very intimidating for lots of people for a range of reasons. But there's a big difference between reading aloud something on your own and reading to other people, particularly if you don't know really or trust or like those other people. Or, um, so, I, so this is, I suppose this comes to one fear of mine with the project, is if what I'm trying to do is, is raise awareness of the diversity of things people do, I never wanted it to seem as if I'm trying to say we should all do this, or that just because some people really love reading something loud and get, gain something from it, that doesn't mean that suddenly all teachers should, should start forcing all their students to do that. Um, there's a, a novelist, Daniel Pennack, a French novelist, and he's got some wonderful books about reading. And I remember hearing him speak, and he said in France, I think similar to here, that there'd been times when it was very normal to read out loud in secondary classrooms. And then there was a time when it was frowned upon, probably because it had been done badly or various things. And it's this kind of lack of balance which is worrying. So it shouldn't be something that, I, that we should ever be saying to teachers, never do this, or always do it. I suppose like anything else to try and explore what individuals find useful or less useful and the nuances between how different is it reading something aloud that you've had the chance to look at on your own first as opposed to something kind of thrust at you and taught to read out loud there. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Why not click subscribe so you can be informed when the latest next individual podcast or podcast mini-series from FE News are going to be released.